Welcome to the Inspired Women Podcast. I am your host, women's empowerment coach and motivational speaker, Megan Hall. And on this podcast, I'm going to connect you with inspirational women who will share their real stories. And we're going to chat about topics relevant to women today. I'd love to continue to support you on your life's journey. Please join us in the Inspired Women community on Facebook. Thank you for tuning in today and enjoy the show. Hey guys, today I'm here with Amanda. Amanda Koch is a nutritional therapy consultant, Pilates master trainer. Whoa. Um, Hello. That's awesome. Uh, Director with Beauty Counter and blogs over at My Well-Balanced Life. After dealing with personal health challenges to include infertility, multiple miscarriages, chronic pain, depression, and anxiety, she made healing changes in her life with real food, healthy movement, and safer products. You sound like you're telling my story right here, minus the miscarriages, but anxiety, depression, had to make all these changes. I'm totally with you. Uh, she strives to provide resources for women to live well-balanced lives, which are realistic and effective. Because let's be real, life is not a fancy Pinterest board or beautiful Instagram feed. Uh, have you seen my Instagram feed? Because sometimes I share some like off the wall stuff in there. It's, it's not as pretty as other people. I'm like, oh, that's so beautiful. And how like everything matches. It's great. And I'm just like, inspiration, messy life, inspiration. That's pretty much my Instagram feed. Uh, she, <laughs> she currently lives in Alaska with her Air Force husband of 17 years and two boys, healthy, happy, and well, probably drinking coffee and listening to Bruno Mars. That's awesome. I love Bruno Mars. It makes me happy. Makes me feel young. Yeah, it makes you feel young. <laughs> You're not that old now. You know, actually, technically, if I had uh, married my husband a little bit sooner, I'd be up there in the uh, being married for almost 17 years. We just, we married a little bit later in our, in our life. We're not later, like, like 30s later, but like late 20s later. Uh, all right. It's, Nana. Funny. it's funny. Yeah, I know. I'm, you know, we're military and yeah. we got, I got married when I was 25 and people were like, well, why did you wait so long to get married? And I was like, what are you talking about? Like, right. Wrong, but it, it's a different, it's a different interpretation in that world. Well, they, I actually was reading an article today that was talking about how, um, people, I mean, millennials, and I put that in quotation marks. So I really don't, I really don't resonate with the stereotype of a millennial, but that, you know, people, um, that are of the younger generation tend to marry later on in life. They tend to not, um, you know, be like, oh, I'm 18. I got to get married. You know, now people are getting married in their 30s, 40s, you know, never that too. (laughs) So Amanda, start us off with telling us a little bit about your life. You had some struggles um, and some health challenges. Share with us about that because I know a lot of women listening are like that. Well, I mean, I said part of that was my story too. Um, You know, I've struggled with those things too. Uh, So tell us a little bit about it. I mean, who doesn't? I don't know. Is there anybody who doesn't these days? Um, I, yeah. So I got married at 25 uh, to my husband, Air Force, and we decided to start trying to have kids. Ended up having our first son. It was my first pregnancy. I was 29. No complications, just, just you know, your typical pregnancy with sickness and all that. And for the record, like motherhood completely rocked my world. I was like, what have I done? Like, this is so... Oh my goodness. And right? so I, like, I'm, I don't know, I'm an only child and I just kind of was used to kind of having my thing and then everything was just like unrecognizable and in, in literally like two minutes, everything was different. But, uh, so then, you know, I'm a type A person, 
My parents always said they should have named me something else because I've got three A's in my name and I like hold on to that really tightly. But <laughs> I just was like, you know what? I'm going to have my children three years apart and it's going to be perfect and this and that. And it just had it all lined up and it really was pretty a fantastic story in my mind. I really had it really well planned out. Uh, and then like huge bump in the road, um, just had ended up having a little bit of trouble getting pregnant again. Didn't work out in my timing. Finally got, you know, that positive pregnancy test and figured, you know, perfect. Like, phew, I'm a few months behind everything, but we're good. And then ended up, that pregnancy ended up ending in miscarriage. And it was a missed miscarriage, for those of you who kind of are familiar with some of the terms, where you, you your body still is acting like it's pregnant. You haven't really gotten any signs that you're not pregnant. You think you're pregnant and you go in for your appointment and there's no heartbeat. And so the baby has passed away at some point. And so just that definition of that really just sent me into a huge tailspin. I mean, I remember that day. I remember everything about that, like a movie in my mind. I can see everybody's faces. I can hear the words, you know, know how I felt in my body and just a huge traumatic experience. Um, and then think just cause I kind of thought, you know, well, I have, I have a baby, you know, like, so I, I cleared that hurdle of, of, you know, not being able to have one and infertility and stuff. But little did I know that that was just like the beginning and ended up turning into seven miscarriages of, wow. of all a variety. You know, I could, I got to sample all of the different flavors of miscarriage or most of them from, you know, just your traditional kind to the mist, to the ectopic, to the chemical. Like I just kind of experienced it all with no medical explanation as for why they were happening. And so in the midst of that, because of huge hormonal swings and just the trauma of it, just piled a bunch of other stuff on top of it that so many women are, I think are super familiar with, unfortunately, anxiety, panic attacks, depression, chronic pain, chronic fear, just this, man, lack of peace, right? No peace whatsoever in my life. And that feeling of feeling like it's just you, you're the only person experiencing that because I think mm -hmm. that's just the natural tendency that goes along with it. So we just kind of came to my husband and I got to a point where he said to me, you know, we need to do something like what is going on with you has gotten beyond anything that I can help you with. I think we need to see a counselor. I went kicking and screaming and that <laughs> like, I don't want to, cause it's hard. It's the same was for me. The first time I went and saw a therapist, I'm telling you right now, my husband was like, you need help. And I was just like, I'm fine. You know, I try to commit suicide, but I'm okay. I'll just, and I just kind of sat on the couch, like not speaking really fun, really not helpful at all, but it was the beginning of a lot of change. And so that led to a lot of things that led to, uh, you know, seeing a chiropractor for my pain. Cause I was having a lot of issues with that, seeing a natural health practitioner, changing the way we ate, changing the products we were using around our house, just changing everything, taking control of, of our health in a different way. Um, and not that it was a quick fix, obviously that happened somewhere in the middle of all the years that this was going on and then ended up getting pregnant for the ninth time. Like I was getting to the point where I was like, Oh my gosh, I'm going to run out of fingers on my hand. Um, but, and that one stuck. And, and I had another boring, typical pregnancy that resulted in another healthy baby boy who's now five. And so my kids are eight years apart, which is always fun and brings, you know, people like to make comments all the time about it, not knowing, you know, what, what, what happened eight years in between. Uh, but 
And now like the reason that I do all the things with my business is because of all that horrible junk in the middle. So a little bit of beauty out of ashes and, you know, not being able to see the good in it when it was happening or seeing that good could come of it, I guess I should mm-hmm. say. Um, and so now here I am. I love that. Yeah. I think it's really hard when we're in the middle of shit happening to see that there's like a light or like a silver lining or a lesson. Like it's never any, it doesn't, it's not always something positive where you're just like, Oh, this is the reason why, but there might be something you can learn. Like you learned, you know, to, um, seek out therapy and take care of yourself better and clean up your products that you're using on yourself. So there were some lessons along the way that you learned that you may not have learned otherwise and not that in any way, shape or form diminishes what you went through <laughs> because Lordy, it does not. Um, but it definitely had some lessons for you. And I get the whole like eight years apart thing. Um, my oldest daughter is 15. My youngest daughter is eight. Um, so we don't have uh, that that eight year span. We have quite a span between the two of them. And I get, I mean, and I haven't been through what you've been through. And I get all sorts of kind of like people are rude when they talk about like what's going on with a woman's uterus. I swear they're so rude. Like, why is there such a span between your kids or my twins? Where they'll be like, were they natural? Like, what is unnatural? Like, they're here. Like, how? <laughs> I don't get that. But oh my goodness, I'll tell you what. I can only imagine the kind of questions you get and how hurtful that must be with what you've been through. Like, please just stay out of my life. Um, so how, what has helped you the most with healing from all of that trauma? Cause that's trauma. People seem to overlook it and they're like, Oh, you know, somebody just lost a baby. I'm like, no, you lost a human being like that's trauma. So what's helped you heal from that the most? You know, when it was, when it was happening and when I was going through it, I just, my personality, I tend to be kind of private and, and quiet about stuff. And so I think, and most people that do go through it, obviously, because miscarriage is not something that is like a big topic that people love to talk about. It doesn't get a lot of attention. And then I think when it happens to somebody, you know, it's shocking. There's some kind of sense of shame around it for some reason. Mm -hmm. I think when you feel like your body's broken, like, why can't I do this? I'm supposed to be able to do this. Surely it's a result of something that I have done uh, or something, you know, that they want to trace it back to. And so it's just, something that is very hidden because I know once you kind of speak up about it, like people just come out of the floodgates. They're like, you know, people who have had them, who have experienced it in some Mm -hmm. capacity. And so the more it kept happening, the more I just felt like broken record, like, Oh my gosh, am I seriously going to say like, Oh, guess what? I, I had another miscarriage, you know, and I got to a point where I was just really good at it. Like when I would get a positive pregnancy test, I would expect to have a miscarriage. It would just be a little bit of like, ooh, I wonder what kind it's gonna be this time. Or I wonder what how it's gonna play out this time, which is so demented. I mean, that's just really some whacked thinking. But when that happens over and over again, that's just kind of what you do. So I got to a point where I didn't, I didn't even tell my parents. I mean, the only people who really knew the extent of it was probably my husband and then my doctors, and really just my current doctor, because being a military spouse moving around, yeah, everything changes. And so I didn't tell anybody. Um, and so when I ended up having my second son, when he turned one is I remember kind of the time leading up to it thinking, you know, I think I'm going to write something about this. Cause I always would like to write, I didn't have a blog or anything like that at that point, but just kind of thought, mm-hmm. and so I had this thing it took and I, I wrote it and I posted it on Facebook, which was so out of character for me, but it's basically telling like, 
yep, you know, this is kind of what's, what's happened with us and how long it took us to get here and why our kids are eight years apart and stuff. And I just remember my heart pounding, like it was just going to like spontaneously combust. Like I just felt like I cannot believe I'm doing this, you know, and put it out there. And it was the best thing that I've ever done. I just, in terms of healing from it, like mm-hmm. to be able to make that, put it out there, have people, I mean, the response and the people who have been through it, the private messages, whatever, was unreal to me. People coming forward with a number of how many that they had had. People who looked like they had the perfect, beautiful family, right? Mm-hmm. They have Instagram family. It doesn't look like they've been through anything like like that, but they have. Uh, and so I thought that that was just, it was very overwhelming to me emotionally just to see like these opinions that you have. Cause when you're going through infertility or miscarriage and you see other people popping out babies, like it's nothing, you know, and maybe you don't like them. Maybe they're not even nice people. And you're like, Oh, you know, you just have all these emotions that are, yeah. there's nothing wrong with the emotions that you're feeling. They are very normal. It's very normal to feel envious or, you know, whatever of somebody else who seems to have what you are so desperately trying to have. So I think that like putting it out there and allowing people to see and know what you've gone through and to connect with other people who have has been the most healing thing for me. Yeah. And I feel the same way about my mental health struggles. Like when I put it out there, anytime I tell a piece of my story, even though I feel like I've told it over and over and over again, there's always a barrage of new messages from people that are like, oh my gosh, you inspired me to go see a therapist. Or, oh my gosh, I'm going through the same thing. I thought I was, it was just me or all of these things um, that you're talking about. And it also, for me, I mean, yes, not the same thing as having a miscarriage, but for me, it's also been very healing in a way that I'm like, oh, I'm not abnormal. And when I was going through that, like when I was going through those struggles, I would see people that are happy or they looked happy and they're excited and everything's going good. And then I would be like, I don't like them. Why are they so happy? That's not fair. Why, why are they happy? And I can't be happy. I just want to be happy, man. Um, and then you see like, Oh, well they just show like social media is just a big, like I say it's either the, the highlight reel or it's, um, dear diary, like dear diary, my life sucks. Everything sucks. My whole life sucks. And you find out every little detail of their lives. There's rarely an in-between. So we don't see those, those behind the scenes of the people that are struggling the same way as we are. And I'm glad that you saw that healing aspect of being able to share your story and help inspire other people. And of course, by sharing it on the podcast, hopefully you will inspire even more women who are, who are going through this or have been through this or anything like that, because it is, it is more common than we think. Uh, there are so many people that I know personally now that like, I haven't been through miscarriage, but my sister went through one. Um, and when I, when we talked about that, like when she was sharing openly about it and I've mentioned it, people are like, oh my gosh, I've been through that one too, or my family member has to where you're like, oh wow, this is, this is actually more common than, than people believe it is. Um, so would you say that your anxiety on the mental health trip, um, your anxiety and depression were more triggered from the miscarriages? Where did that form? Like, how did that come about? It's funny. I just had a conversation with somebody the other day that was asking about, you know, why do you think your anxiety is flared up? I'll get to that in a second, but you know, it's so, it's, 
it's so hard to pinpoint. It's almost like the same thing with miscarriages sometimes where you really so desperately want to find a reason. You know, you want it to be just this mathematical equation. Well, this is this and this. And so if I do this, this will happen. Um, right. And, I, you know, so much of life is just not like that. And then if that's something that you really, really crave, then it's really not going to happen for you. Because <laughs> it's just that continuous lesson of you are not in control or you know, there's only so much you can control. So for me, I really think that now working as a nutritional therapist and stuff too, that crazy, the swings of my body that were happening with those miscarriages, you know, your body goes through so much. And we all know if you actually, you know, get that chance to have, um, you know, a pregnancy that lasts nine months and have a baby, you know how traumatic that is for your body. I mean, it's huge, you know, of all the transition that you go through. And when you have miscarriages, your hormones, you can't see it as much, you know, on, in, from the outside, but your body internally is going through so much trauma and having to write itself. You know, it's trying to just, you know, your body has the abilities to get your, to, to bring yourself back into balance, but maybe you're not providing it with what it needs or, or so many different reasons, you mm -hmm. know? And so for me, I was doing that over and over and over again. Uh, and I just think in the midst of that, like the hormonal imbalances, my gut was not healthy, you know, it just, so many things were contributing to that. Like, how could I not be having anxiety? Right. You know, like it's just, I look back on it and the little that I knew kind of about how the body worked. Um, I wasn't, you know, I was not providing it with what it needed. And God knows that when you're in the middle of that, you know, people, when people, even as a nutritionist, you're like, you should be eating healthy. Let me tell you what, when you're going through crap like that, the last thing you want to do is like, eat some kale, you know, like you're like, I want to sit on the couch and I want to eat some donuts and I want to watch trash TV and I want to do anything that feels comforting to me. Um, and so it's that hard balance of knowing what that is, you know? And I always tell people too, you know, with anxiety, if you've had it and maybe you're in a better place, it doesn't mean, you know, that it's gone forever. <laughs> you yeah. still have to always be, you know, it, you approach it differently. Like for me right now, I have got some anxiety that's been raging, that's been flaring up. And it's because like my dad passed away. Oh, um, sorry. Thank you. Uh, four months ago uh, over Christmas. And it was mm -hmm. just, you know, and, and so I think my body has just, we're now at the point now where it's been three or four months and about a month ago, I could tell I'm like, Oh, here we go. Like my body is now responding to the stress. I think I was just in this, oh my gosh, we need yeah. to get through this, we need to go whatever. And now it's kind of like, okay, well now we're going to totally break down a little bit. That's normal. You know, that's what you're, that's what happens. And it's just that part of now the difference is I know some things that I can do. I know what my triggers are and I know that I can get past this. You know, I know that there, this is not going to last, but it's hard to be able to pinpoint like that same mathematical formula I was saying where you want to just fix it. Um, and you can, you can get that. You can definitely do the things that make it better, but there's also a little bit of a process and just giving yourself a lot of grace when you're going through it. Yeah, absolutely. I like to say when it comes to um, mental illness and mental health in general is you can reduce your symptoms but they're never gonna, you're never gonna be cured. Like we talk about this in my psych classes, I'm going to school right now for psychology, um, is you're never gonna be cured. There, there's not a cure. There's not a cure right now for mental illness. It's not gonna happen. But you can learn, like you said, your nutrition. If you eat like shit, then guess what? Your mental illness is gonna flare, flare up because your body can only take so much. Like your mind and body work together. They're like one unit, they, they, they 
or cohesive unit, you know, if you're eating like shit and you're stressing your body out, well, now your mind is having to work even harder. Well, now I can't actually like, okay, we're safe. We're calm. Things are okay. You know, stuff like that. Like you said, a lot of stress whether it is like emotional or physical or whatever kind of stress actually triggers mental illness. Um, for some people that'll be depression. Some people be anxiety. Some people be bipolar. Like there's all sorts of kind of different things. Bipolar is more of a chemical imbalance than anything else. But you know, when it comes to my depression and anxiety, yeah, I still like as much as I take care of myself, as much as I work out, as much as like I'm very uh, cognizant of my triggers, all of these things, I still experience those things. But now because I have the tools I have and, and, and you know, a wonderful therapist and all the amazing things, like you said, there are things you can do and you know this isn't forever. You know, like if you're having high anxiety, I had it um, this past week. There a lot of shit happened. There's been a lot of shit happening a lot last couple of weeks. And it kind of like came to a head where my anxiety was like, whoo, but I know how to like bring myself back down. I know that those are the, that's the key time to take care of myself. That's the key time to work out, eat right and everything like that. Because if I decide, no, I'm going to have, you know, like you said, donuts on the couch and watch trashy TV and drink a bottle of wine. The next day I'm going to be worse. I'm not going to be better. Um, so that's something that I discovered. Now, would you say all these struggles is what got you into nutrition or were you already into nutrition before? No. So I'm 42. So that means that I like spent my high school, college, early 20 years in the nineties, which was like the biggest crap fest of nutrition that there was, right? <laughs> yes. there was no fat, low fat, fake sugars. Kool-Aid. I mean, bring on, do you remember the spray butter? Do you remember the yes. spray? It still exists for the record. Spray butter. I mean, what is that? Anyway, stuff like that. And so that I feel, I mean, I, I know personally like that, I think really wrecked my body. So if you would have asked me back then, I would have thought I was, I was being healthy, you know, and that mm -hmm. was when I first was really getting into, I'd always been into fitness and transitioned to teaching Pilates once I got married and, and all that, but I didn't have the nutrition piece. And so the biggest thing that helped me, I think during that time, when I saw the first time I saw the counselor is he actually sent me to who now is one of my best friends, a natural health practitioner who, cause I was like, everybody is telling me that my hormones are fine. My hormones are not fine. Like I am a hot mess and I know that there is something that's out of balance, whether it's showing up on blood work or not, whatever I'm staying within the range. Well, the range is not appropriate for me because I am a disaster. And I knew that, you know? And I mm -hmm. think when I was in the midst of that, I remember just thinking like, I cannot stay here. Like I understand that other people kind of can get really attach themselves to the identity of illness. Yeah. That is not me. I would like to get out of this place. Like I remember just like, this is not okay. I need to do something. And so getting, you know, introduced to that, she's really the one that started the ball rolling for me of trying to get my body back into balance with natural. I don't like to use that word because natural is kind of a whatever, but just not using meds and I have nothing against meds, but it just, I, they didn't even, they weren't even recommending meds to me at that point because they were saying that I was fine. So homeopathic. Just, sure. Okay. We'll go with that. Like I just, I try, <laughs> I always am so hesitant because they don't really mean anything. They don't have any kind yeah. of, you know, little definition, but mm -hmm. just trying to do things with, with food and, uh, and you know, things like that to just try to get my body back in balance to feel normal again. And I was not eating well then. Um, and so at that point, 
transitioning, and I always tell people too that I really like to point out when it comes to miscarriage and multiple miscarriage and infertility, I have this healthy baby, right? He's five. He's in the other room. I'm really hoping he doesn't bust in the door. But <laughs> like that is like such this beautiful, happy ending. And so, which is great. Not everybody gets the same happy ending. And I'm very aware mm-hmm. of that. I'm very grateful for it. But I also like to tell people like I got to a place of joy and good health before he came along, before mm-hmm. he showed up, you know, because I just was able to get to this place where I wasn't having this crippling anxiety. You know, I was joyful. I was going and living my life. And I think so much of miscarriage and infertility, people do not live. You put your life on hold. You just have that, you know, soul focus of I have to have this healthy baby. Um, but because I did have that healthy baby, everybody wanted to know, what did you do? You know, that's the ultimate question. Well, what did you do so I can have that formula so I can do my little equation and I can get my healthy baby. Uh, and not that that's ever the case, but I did know I had done quite a bit. And so, but I didn't feel equipped to be able to counsel other people. And so that's what led me to go to school to become a nutritional therapist, just to be able to feel like, well, you know, that does fit so much in with what I do with wellness and fitness anyway. So it was just an extra piece of that. That sounds kind of like why I'm going to school for psychology. Like I, I was like, you know, therapy helped me so much. And then I became a life coach, but I was like, I want to help women on a deeper level. Right. I like, I'm not saying I don't help them on a deep level right now. Like I do amazing things. My clients rave about like all the changes they made and how much it's helped their lives. But I've seen this pattern where they have something underneath that I feel like if I could just reach that place, it would transform their lives in a whole nother level. But like, I'm not equipped, like you said, to be able to help people on that level. I'd probably mess them up. Cause like, just cause I've been through therapy doesn't mean I know how to give therapy. <laughs> but I could totally get where you're coming from. You know, you wanted to help people in the way that you were helped, like the way that you saw transformation, but you needed the tools to be able mm-hmm. to do that and provide that help. Now people are probably thinking and listening like, oh, that's great. You're a nutritionist, Amanda. Does that mean all the time that you're perfect and you eat amazing and everything's fantastic? Or do you struggle too? (laughs) Totally eat perfect all the time. You know, I just think that is a very unrealistic way to live. I agree. People who, who do have whether it's a food allergy, an autoimmune illness, or, or a, very, a variety of things that require you to eat a certain way or to avoid certain things. We fortunately do not have those conditions. So it's funny because when I started my wellness business, my blog, doing nutrition, very much of that is geared usually, you know, you, and if you, you'll know this, if you have like a, a, a um, a coach that helps you with your business or whatever you watch the videos on or Ted talks where they're like, you need to have your target audience. You need to have that one person that you're talking to. Who is that person? Who are you trying to help? Uh, and everyone always would just assume like that I was going to go into nutrition to help people with fertility, to help people with miscarriage. And I, I do. I do. But that's not really what I felt like I was really drawn to. I think I was more drawn to the fact that the health and wellness world is ginormous Mm -hmm. and overwhelming and that the majority of people end up not doing anything because they feel as if it's too much, like they can't do all the things. And so then they just don't do anything. Uh, And I know just from my own experiences, like 
doing all those little things. Like I didn't understand what I was doing when I was going through it in terms of trying to eat better and trying to, you know, kind of make some choices about what we were surrounding our bodies with and just our overall lifestyles. I mean, I kind of got it, but I didn't really get it. And we were just making some small steps, but it was those small steps that were adding up to big change, you know, because this world is crazy and hectic and you cannot do everything. So my really goal is just to give people, especially women. And I definitely have a heart for military spouses because our lives are insane. I mean, crazy, you know, and I'm living in Alaska. Like I just, you know, like I'm, there's bears. It's weird. You know, that doesn't happen in Houston where I grew up, (laughs) but You know, just to be able to provide people with, you know what, here's some little things that you can do that may not seem like the biggest thing, but it's a step for you and it's making a big difference in your life. It's making a big difference for your family and it might help you with your, your fertility struggles. Um, but so no, we don't eat perfect all the time and we just try to kind of do the best we can and choose well. And, and I I have, you know, like I said, I have two boys and a husband and we try to, I try to just equip them with good knowledge and to make better choices when we can and don't sweat if you have the donut. Right. Oh my gosh. My, we have this place called duck donuts here where I live and they make freshly made donuts. Like literally you walk in there. This is how my husband describes it. He's like, it's the subway of donuts. You walk in there and they make the donut right there. Like all the toppings and everything. Like it's fresh and warm. And he comes home with a whole like two dozen of those suckers last weekend. And I was just like, I'm sitting on the couch meditating. And I could kind of hear in the background these conversations. I'm like, I really should be paying attention to my meditation. But I hear like maple bacon donut. And I was like, okay, that's done. I'm getting it. Like it's going in my mouth. I don't care. It's done. But we also have rules around here about bringing junk food in the house because I, I know like my, you know, if I'm stressed out, I'm going to go right to it. Like mm-hmm. it's kind of hard to stress eat a salad. It really is. But like, yeah. if I have like some like junk food in the house, oh yeah, it's going right, right down my throat. It's definitely going to happen. But I think a lot of times people think when they hear like nutritionist or master's Pilates trainer, they're like, oh, she must have her shit together and be doing all the things great. But they don't see we're all humans. Like no yeah. matter what we do, like even as a life coach, I'm sorry, but sometimes my life is a hot mess. Yes, I have the tools to help it not be like a hot mess forever in a day, but it doesn't mean I don't ever have like things that happen where they get to me, you know, where I'm like, oh my gosh, what's going on? <laughs> and that's where I need a therapist and a coach. <laughs> you know, that I, always, I always tell my clients that all the time. I'm, you know, I just say, listen, I know all the things I should be doing. It doesn't mean that I, I am doing them, you know, and I can tell you the same thing, but that I just want to be transparent and say, you know, that's real life. Like just because I know the things or just because you know the things doesn't mean that we're going to live these perfect lives. And, and like you said, crap happens. And so you're going to be going along and things are going to be great because that's the way things are in life. And then you're going to hit a speed bump and whatever. But the difference is, when you know better, you do better. You know what, you know, now that you've been through whatever, whatever crap you've been through, because everybody does it, nobody is exempt from the junk in this life. It just looks different and it's on a different timeline for everybody. But when you know better and you maybe have gone through it, then you know some tools to help you. So it's not, you don't turn into as big of a hot mess as you were before. Right. Right? <laughs> That's always the goal. Less of a hot mess, more glitter. Just make it look a little, you know, prettier, but... Oh girl, I love glitter. You just mentioned glitter. My heart just makes me happy. I just had a photo shoot done and all the glitter, all of it. 
at the very end of the photo shoot. Like she sent me all the pictures today and I'm like, that is awesome. This is like epic. Trying to get glitter out from like your hair and stuff. It's big chunky glitter, so it's not as hard. Oh, okay. Like that's the only the fine glitter won't and somebody said, How do you get glitter to show up in pictures? I'm like, you use the big chunky glitter and that's how it shows up. Um it's it's easier to to pull off of you than the fine glitter. The fine glitter just doesn't go away for weeks and weeks and weeks on end. Um, but so you said that the nutrition helped you, um, and you were already into working out. Now I want to, before we wrap up the podcast, I want to talk on, you said that you kind of took toxins out of your life. What inspired you to do that? And, and how did you get started? Well, so yeah, so I always laugh too when people are like, what exactly do you do? And I kind of am like, well, you know, I do all the things. I wear a lot of hats, literally and figuratively. It's a lot of hats. And people are like, well, you need to just hone in on one thing because that's how you'll be successful. I'm like, well, I'm not going to do that. Like yeah. I just, because I know what things that helped me kind of fall into those three pieces. And I try to dumb it down because I just think, I know everybody out there, I have like, just the fact that my, my business card says master on it, I think it's pretty awesome. Yeah, that is pretty, it's pretty epic. Like when you, it said, when it said master's Pilates trainer, when I was like reading that and like, that is pretty epic because I was actually, um, I was actually certified as a PIO instructor for a little while, but I realized I don't have rhythm and I can't keep up with the beat. So I was way off all the time. So I was like, that's, well, at least I learned, right? I mean, I need to be like a yoga instructor where like the yoga instructor that you don't need to stay on the music, you just kind of flow. I can totally do that. But PIO required a lot of like beat and music. Like they have a lot of upbeat music. Uh -uh. So I know what a master instructor is. And I'm like, well, that's, that's pretty epic. That's awesome. I always laugh because I'm like, well, you know, I dumb it down in the sense that these are the three pieces that we need in our lives. Everybody needs those, you know, you need to eat good, real food. You need to move your body and you need to choose wisely when you're choosing products that you expose your home, your body, your family to. So I like to keep those three pieces. And then I have those extra certifications to make it seem like, okay, yeah, she really does knows what she's talking about. (laughs) Nobody thinks she knows what she's talking about enough to give her a label. So I'll take it. But that's what I try to just kind of keep it simple. So those two pieces of food and exercise, everybody knows that, right? Even if you're not doing it, you know it. Yes. product thing, it's funny how it stumbled upon, um, how I stumbled upon it was really back when I was in the midst of everything and kind of trying to like find an answer. And I read this article about soap. And I read this article about hand soap and how it had triclosan in it, which is a chemical, and how that was really damaging to your thyroid. And I was like, huh. You know, so that was the first thing I started kind of switching out is changing to make sure that I wasn't using antibacterial. And triclosan is an ingredient that is often in antibacterial soaps. It's actually been banned since then, um, about a year ago. But it's still out there. So anyway, that was the first thing I really started paying attention to. And then I just kind of started to kind of go from there, little things like cleaning products, you know, personal care products, but I didn't really know the education of it completely. So compared to what I know now is light years, but we just started making little switches as things started, you know, we'd run out of something, we'd switch it to something that I thought was better. Um, And so I've been doing this for a long time you know, back probably eight years ago is when we started making switches over. It's becoming a little bit more known, but most people, most people just assume that, you know, if you go into a store, you buy a product off the shelves, somebody's checking it, somebody's tested it. It's fine. No, 
nobody is doing that. And I, you know, it's Except not the environmental working group. They're doing it. Yes. And they're they're They create so much education out there, you know? And so really, um, and I do, I do work with a company called beauty counter, which, um, is five years old. So like I said, I kind of been doing it for a long time beforehand as my dad used to tell me, he's like, you've been bossing people around like, and just throwing away my products for so long, you might as well, <laughs> like add it to your business. And it's true. I mean, like my husband, I'll just throw away a shaving cream or, or whatever, but I just always like to really teach people the education piece of it because they just don't have it. It's just a really kind of a thing that people aren't aware of. You know, your skin is your largest organ. What you put on it starts to absorb into your bloodstream in 26 seconds. So everything from, you know, your toothpaste, your shampoo, your lotions, your hand soaps, your detergents that are touching your body, all of those things there is almost no regulation of it. And so, you know, we were talking about triclosan, there are 1400 ingredients that are banned from personal care products in the in, in Europe. There's 600 mm. that are banned in Canada. And right now there's only 30 that are banned in America, yep. you know, stuff's not being checked. And so it's really up to us to seek out the stuff that is safer because it really has huge impacts on your body, whether it's hormonal imbalance, whether it's reproductive stuff, whether it's allergies, whether it's cancer. I mean, it's just, and I don't, I don't say that to scare people. It was just like what I said earlier. Like when you know better, you do better. doesn't mean you need to go throw everything out at once, but as you start to run out of something, if you're not quite sure, like look it up, there's a database on the environmental working group. Like you were talking, there's an app that you can scan stuff, you know, and I have I have two phones. I don't even feel bad about it. But one's for kind of my business, one's for my um, personal. I have it on both. And so if my kids are with me when we're out, I hand them both a phone and they just go wild. They go scan everything. And it's not just for personal care products, but it's also food now. And so if you see a big red, like nine, that's not good. You're always looking for the low numbers. And so it's very educational to learn what's good, what's bad, what ingredients to kind of avoid. Um, and so you're always looking for those low numbers. So I just tell people, you know, if you run out of your, whatever, your body moisturizer, go look for one that's safer, you know? So that's kind of how we got into that. And like I said, it's, it's, I, it's something that I've always cared about. I've cared about for a long time because of our journey and stuff. And I just think, everybody could do better <laughs> with choosing safer stuff. So those are the three things that I now just kind of teach people in, in chunks, like little things, eat some real food, move your body, choose safer products. And people got to realize like, you want to start now. You don't want to be like, oh, well in two years, I'll start this. No, because it takes years for your body to rid yourself of these toxins. Mm-hmm. Like literally your, your cells are made up of these toxins because they've entered your body. We also have, no, I wouldn't say it's a perfect system. Sometimes like mine's probably yellow, not, not, not green, but it's definitely, so yeah, not red for most people who don't know and never use the app. um, Environmental working group has levels and green is like the really good stuff. You really want to aim for that. Then there's stuff that's like yellow, which is like, it's okay, but there's some bad shit in it. And it actually breaks down what's wrong with it, why it got the rating. And then there's red and you don't want to use red at all. Um, and sometimes like, oh my gosh, I went and stayed with my sister and I know she listens to the podcast. I love you. And I'm sorry. Um, and, and, and I forgot my stuff. Like I forgot my stuff. She's like, you can just use my shampoo. And I was like, well, I got special shampoo. And she was just like, oh, cause you're like psoriasis on your head. And I was like, yeah, sure. Let's go with that. It really was because I'm like looking in her shower and I'm like, no, no, I can't put that in my head. It's rated red. I did end up using it. I'm not that anal, but I'm like, ah, no. Like even when I was there and I went and bought 
my own toothpaste because we need, we probably, I mean, I'm going to bring it home. It's not going to go bad, but we're going to use it because like, I know that's also another thing. Like you're swallowing some of your toothpaste too. Like you got to be really real. Like it's not just going on your, like it's going in your mouth. It's going down your throat. Um, we have to be really aware and it, it rates all of those things. I love that app so much. I use it all the time. Like I do, especially was- when in places I don't know, like, you know, I might be going to upstate New York where they're not as like, they don't have as much of a variety as they do down here. And I can just go and scan that. Like, you know, one thing I like about them too. And I was actually just looking at the app the other day, I was doing a seminar and, uh, they, they have a, a designation for companies that subject themselves to a little bit more testing. Yes. EWG verified company. And so when you get on your app and you swipe, I think it's right. Um, instead of scanning, you can actually see, like you can click on, say I'm looking for a better toothpaste and you click on it and it'll give you a list of great ones, you know, that are EWG verified. So you can kind of, you know, get some ideas of different ones to try. It's so great. It's so helpful in like a simple way. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, that's great. If you, if you are a researcher and you need to go and like read every single little thing and understand what it's doing in your body, that's great. But a lot of people don't, a lot of people don't want Mm. to, they just want to say, I want to say for one, show me what I should get. I just want it green. Here you go. Yes. I just want green stuff. I want the red stuff gone. But yeah, you know, even like I was talking to somebody recently about lipstick because you've all heard that stuff like, Oh, you eat seven pounds of lipstick in your life, or I don't know, something like that. Who knows if any of that's true. Regardless, you know, if you put lipstick on your lips, it's going to end up inside your body, right? Yeah. It's, not, it's going into the skin of your lips. It's going into your, your body internally as well. And lead is very common in the majority of lip products, lipsticks, because the colorants come from the earth. Heavy metals are inherently in the earth. Uh, and so it doesn't mean that you're going to see the word lead on the ingredients. Mm-hmm. It's just a byproduct because of that. And so it's, you know, sourcing is incredibly, incredibly important. Testing is incredibly important. Lead is outlawed in paint. Like we can't paint our walls with it, but we can put it on our lips because nobody's checking. You know what I mean? It's just, it's just, it's just an outdated system. And so it's just one of those things that I just encourage people. You got to be proactive and just bust out your app. Sometimes when you scan your products that you have, you're going to do it with like your fingers over your eyes because you're going to be like, I love this product so much. Please don't be red. And then it's like red. <laughs> yes. But we, I mean, when we first started talking on the podcast, we were talking about miscarriage and all the things you've done. Uh, you did in the process before your second son came to where now you can see like, I'm, you're not to blame. Obviously, I'm not going there. What I'm saying is there's some changes that we might be able to make. Like if somebody's struggling right now with infertility, there might be some things that you've mentioned that like even changing your care products that might like tip you over the edge of the, the side where, you know, you will be, you won't struggle as much with infertility. You know what I mean? Cause there's still people out there, no matter what you do, no matter how great things are going, you're going to struggle with infertility. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are things that you could do to kind of tip you to this, to one side or the other. I think a really common theme of people who deal with infertility or miscarriage or any of its forms in that way is a lack of control. You know, you really just want to feel like you're doing something to help and to be Mm -hmm. positive. And so making these changes, uh, 
are significant and they make you feel empowered. They make you feel, you know, I am doing something positive for my health. Will it result in being able to carry a baby to term? You know, who knows? That's, that's not something that we can have that ultimate control over, but it's definitely making positive strides in your health. And so, like I said, when you look at that, the food piece of it and then moving your body. But when it comes to the personal care products, one thing I always like to tell people too, because sometimes it feels like you're like, eh, because you don't see immediate changes. You don't see, you know, it's not like this immediate, like, oh, I lost a pound or something like that. It is the accumulation of toxins over time that really mm-hmm. create a lot of havoc inside of your bodies. And so at the same point, eliminating things they do really, really matter and create change pretty quickly. Like there've been some studies that show some young teenage girls who changed their makeup, you know, eliminated all those parabens and phthalates and heavy metals and things like that. And their levels dropped 60% in like three days. It is significant. You don't see it. And it's one of those things that you have to trust, but it's a, it's that step of empowering yourself, doing something positive for your body and good things are happening as a result. Absolutely. So if there's one thing as we wrap up the podcast that you would like to leave the inspired women audience with, what would you want them to know? I mean, I think I've kind of drummed it in, right? That I've already said like what you can do positively, those little three things, like always go back to those three. That's what my business and my my family life is built is built on is just eat real food, move your body in a healthy way and choose safer products. But I will say I know that this is very geared towards infertility and miscarriage and things like that. But I personally think that the best thing that you can do is to be vulnerable and to be honest and to speak up about it because it is very healing for yourself. You will be shocked, even though it seems scary and and stuff. It is very healing and it's also very helpful to other people. You know, it's a taboo subject and it needs to not be. And so that's what I would say is to really just, and just speak up and be vulnerable. You will be amazed at the good that comes out of it. Yes. Yes. And that's really, people don't realize that there's an actual like rhyme or reason behind the podcast. Uh, (laughs) There really is, (laughs) is like the reason that I focus on stories more than like, I mean, Mm -hmm. I I interview almost all entrepreneurs because they tend to be the people who apply to be part of like, you know, to be on the podcast. But the, the reason I share the stories is, is to inspire others and to, to motivate change. We can't, like you said, you can't do better if you don't know better. And if you hear these stories, you're inspired by these stories and it helps move you. Even if it could, even if you haven't experienced these things personally, it, it might cause a ripple effect where you heard the podcast, then you have a friend or family member or somebody going through something similar that was mentioned on the podcast and you can provide some hope and you can provide some inspiration and you can share what you've learned. That's, I mean, that's really the rhyme or reason is inspiration, motivation, and support for women not to feel alone, for them to feel connected and inspired and want to do better with their lives. Uh, and, and I think stories are just a powerful way to do that. You know, it's, it's great. I love podcasts. I listen to like a bazillion of them, not really like 25, but anyway, there's a lot. I listen to a lot of podcasts and they're all different, but the ones that I'm more connected to are the ones that share the stories. And so that's why. So Amanda, thank you so much for coming on, being transparent, being vulnerable and sharing your story with the inspired women community. Thank you for having me. It's funny. Cause like I said, I didn't tell anybody for so long and now I'm like, who can I talk to? Who can I tell this? To? <laughs> 
<laughs> oh, how times have changed. Thank you so much for tuning into this week's episode of the Inspire Women podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, share this out with your friends and family, and join us in the Inspire Women community on Facebook. I'll catch you next week.